Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Yo, Dallas, mighty quiet down there. Mighty quiet. Very unlike you and your team and your owner. Like no radio appearances from Jera. No spontaneous media scrums. Not a word about Big Mike's fate. Just an eerie, ominous silence from the dude who generally never stops talking. I get it. Jarrah's probably got a lot on his mind. Jarrah probably has a lot to think about right about now. Jarrah is probably still recovering from that utter and complete humiliation. The one he probably should have seen coming, but still somehow was blindsided by. I mean, I wasn't shocked. I think that most people who have watched the Cowboys for the past three decades were not shocked. Except Jarrah was clearly caught off guard. Caught off guard by Big Mike getting turned inside out by Matt LaFleur. Caught off guard by Dak Prescott getting badly outplayed by Jordan Love in his first ever playoff start. Caught off guard by the whole freaking thing, right? That disaster was so shocking to Jarrah that Jarrah actually called it, quote, one of his most surprises, end quote. Whatever the hell that means. Uh, This is uh, one of my most surprises. It's kind of funny. It was one of Jarrah's most surprises since he's been involved in sport, period. He said so. It was one of my least surprises since I've been involved in life. I said so. Hopefully, Jarrah is off somewhere formulating some thoughts about, quote, the reasons why. Or some thoughts on, quote, anything to do with the coaching. Or some thoughts on, quote, anything to do about the players. Because those are pretty important things. And he's going to need some thoughts on all of those things, stat. I don't have any thoughts about the reasons why. I don't know, Jarrah. Well, you're busy trying to come up with some thoughts. The rest of the world is busy trolling the hell out of your franchise, which is what happens after you talk about a Super Bowl run all year long talking about how this is our year, talking about how your quarterback's going to win the MVP. And then after all that, you go out and you fall flat on your face in the wild card round at home where you're an enormous favorite. Of course, the world is coming for you. Of course, everybody who is anybody is going to troll the hell out of you. Even Kyle Shanahan made some waves yesterday with a slight, a light troll job of the Cowboys. This trolling from Junior Lobster is so mild, you might not even catch it. It's like nuanced. It came during his response when he was asked the question, when did you start preparing to see the Packers this week? You know, we were doing it that day. We had mixed in a little bit earlier in the week, hitting up a couple teams, but um, started really focusing on them halfway through the second quarter. Then they scored at the end of the second quarter, so I kind of did both at halftime, and then third quarter I was set on one team. I mean, for that dude, that's like the ultimate bulletin board material from a guy who never gives you anything at all. Kyle said he started to prepare for the Packers midway through the second quarter, as if he had given up on the Cowboys midway through the second quarter. Yeah, Kyle, I get it. You and the rest of planet Earth. 
There's a revelation. Our minds are blown. No way. Do you know why the football genius, Kyle Jr. Lobster Shanahan, picked up on the fact that the Cowboys were cooked halfway through the second quarter of that game? The same reason the rest of us picked up on that very same thing. It's because they were cooked halfway through the second quarter of that game. I don't think it takes a member of the famous Shanahan family to figure that one out. That one was pretty obvious. But still, that's about as trolly as Junior Lobster is ever going to get. The fact that he's trolly at all tells you what a joke the Cowboys are right now. In fact, that's not even right. They're not even a joke. They're the punchline. They don't even get to be the joke. They deserve to be the butt of the joke or the ass of the joke or just the ass, period. Period. But things aren't all terrible in Dallas. And you know me, I'm always looking for a silver lining. For example, Jane Slater, who did a great job here on the show on Monday, put out a series of tweets after her appearance that got some attention. The first one actually reflected pretty well on Big Mike. Quote, to the fans who think this team has quit on Mike McCarthy, my conversations with the players don't tell me that at all. Really interesting hearing them defend him, his culture, and how he's led them on the field and off of it. Their ownership of failing Mike is what stands out the most. End of post. Yeah, I guess that's not exactly surprising, right? We already heard Dak defend the dude, or try to defend the dude, but basically just making that point that he should be getting as much heat as Big Mike, I mean, what is that really? I mean, that's true. Dak should be getting as much heat as Big Mike. However, however, he is getting some from his own locker room, apparently. Because the tweet from Jane that caught the most attention actually made headlines when she pushed out this, quote, fans can roll their eyes, but I do think players' thoughts matter as Jerry Jones weighs the decision. Another player was frustrated with a stubbornness to stick to schemes on both sides of the ball, motion offenses, killing defenses, and concern that Dak panics when first reads not there. End of post. Uh, yeah, that's concern. Pretty big one at that. In fact, that entire post is a pretty big concern. Even if it's about as unsurprising as Dallas's latest epic meltdown. Of course there was going to be more fallout from the most humiliating loss ever. Of course fingers were going to start pointing. Of course people in the building were going to start leaking and whining. And of course dudes in that locker room are frustrated or downright just pissed off. Frustrated and pissed off is one thing. You know, like calling Mike stubborn. Calling Big Mike stubborn. Not exactly a shattering development, right? However, another player anonymously saying that the alleged franchise quarterback panics when the first read isn't there, that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. In fact, bad enough that that deserves a Carl Lewis. I'll tell you why. If somebody said that anonymously, that means a few things. Number one, that's not the only player there who thinks that. Number two, it is a concern. A concern 
that's known around that building. A concern that your MVP candidate can't get past his first read, allegedly, without panicking? And number three, rather than circling the wagons and trying to cover and defend their guy, somebody was looking to make him look bad and succeeded. So that's not nothing. That's not nothing. That looks bad. Bad for Dak, bad for Big Mike, bad for Jarrah. It looks bad for everybody. No, I mean, it's not worse than completely imploding at home in a playoff game after a 12-win season against a quarterback making his first playoff start. It's not worse than that. But then again, there aren't many worse looks than that. It might look worse for Big Mike than anybody else, though, because it's further evidence that the dude does not have control of the team. He certainly didn't have that team ready to play that game. And that dysfunction still reigns supreme in Dallas, just like it basically always has. Since the moment Jera ran Jimma off. Because Jimma was getting more credit than Jera. Speaking of Jimma, did anybody catch his halftime speech for the Cowboys on Sunday? I thought my man was going to blow every blood vessel in his face. How does Jimma still have this much passion for the team after Jera did him so wrong for so many decades? But I'll just say this. Every single one of you, you know how hard we've worked. I don't need to have people pointing the fingers one thing or another. You get your rear end in there and you play the way you know how to play. We can win the game. We're going to open it up. We're going to go fast tempo. Defense, get after Jordan Love. You can't give him that much time. You do what you're supposed to do. We'll win this game. Eyes bulging, veins popping. You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved for only a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everybody feel special. That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 live customer service, as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. Hey, look, I think we all know this much. I think we all know that that was much better than anything Big Mike actually said in the actual locker room. If only Jarrah could have Jimma in his prime back right now. That'd be perfect, right? Or even 80-something-year-old Jimma right now would probably be better than what he has. But you know what? You know what's not a bad fallback option? The GOAT. Jarrah faced a fork in the road three decades ago with another one of the all-time great coaches and failed miserably. The real question right now is, is Jarrah about to make another catastrophic mistake in the head coaching department? Does he let Big Mike take another run and another 12-5 season and another playoff collapse? And then live out the rest of his tight schedule? My schedule. Wondering what may have been or what could have been if he had hired Bill Belichick. And if he had done that, could he have made a return to the glory hole days with the hood man? It's hard to tell right now. One thing is pretty obvious, though. It's quiet as hell in Dallas. Except for those dudes anonymously saying that Big Mike is stubborn and regular-sized Dak panics. Other than that, it's quiet as hell. Here's your bottom line. If you're Jerry Jones, 
can you do better than Big Mike? Are there coaches out there that are available that are better than Big Mike? The answer clearly is yes. So I'm not looking to get anybody fired. But the guy's had four years. He's won one playoff game. And if you can hire the greatest ever, don't you try and do that. And if you can't get him, but you can get like, I don't know, Mike Vrabel, who would be better, don't you do that. What message does it send the fan base if you don't make a change? If you do nothing. If you do nothing and say, we have a Super Bowl roster, we won 12 games, right. It doesn't matter what you do in the regular season anyway, but especially if you're that franchise. But if you do nothing, you're clearly telling the fans, we're good, we're fine, we won 12 games, you're looking at us, you're talking about us, we're printing money, it's all good, it's fine. Bottom line, there's a better coach out there. And he's hireable, so he should do it. Cowboy fan, reaction. And bottom line, it's not a good thing either that players now anonymously are saying things about their franchise quarterback and their coach. And again, if one person said it, more than one person thinks it. 1-800-636-8686. Dear Rome, I would hate to be a bottle of gas station wine this week. If Jarrah will buy two of those when he's in a good mood, I would hate to see what he would do to that wine after that loss. Johnny in GB. I don't know. He's not saying much. He skipped his radio hit. So he's processing. He's processing his program. We'll see what he comes up with. DLH 1029, quote, Jimmy Johnson sounds like that cursing baseball kid. Yeah, if that cursing baseball kid was 81. Jerry! Jerry! Jerry, you silly ass man! I want to punch you right in the face! You get your rear end in there and you play the way you know how to play. Jerry! We can win the game. Mikey! Open it up. We're going to go fast tempo. Dacky! Get after Jordan Love. You can't give him that much time. Tubby! You do what you're supposed to CD. do. We'll win this Micah! You get your rear end in, in there. You do what you're supposed to do. We'll win this game. Yeah, I don't think they were watching you at halftime, Jimma. And they certainly didn't come out and play like it. And I don't care what the final score was. Don't act like that game was ever close. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL playoffs, is bringing you an offer that will help make the playoffs electrifying. New customers can bet 5 bucks on any game and get 200 instantly. How do you like that? All you have to do is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use my code ROME, R-O-M-E. New customers can bet just 5 bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, you do have to use my code ROME, R-O-M-E. The crown is yours, and you do have to be present in a state where it's lawful to wager. 
gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Ifatu Milnfonwu. Ifatu, great to have you. What's going on, man? How are you? I'm good. Um, thanks for having me. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. It's really good to have you. Thanks for making time. Listen, let me start off by saying I know that Detroit is known as hockey town, but I've always maintained that Detroit, despite going decades between wins in the postseason, man, that is an incredible football town. No matter what, it's always been a great, great football town. Can you sum up what the last few days have been like in the area with the fans celebrating their first playoff win since 1992? Yeah, honestly, it, it, it's been crazy. Um, this, this whole season's been crazy. Even my first two years when we when we weren't really winning, just all the games just been packed. Like like you said, um, like it is a hockey town, but honestly, it is a football town as well. So it's just been a crazy experience throughout the whole season, and especially the last couple of days. You know, I'm glad you mentioned the first couple of years. I want to go back to that in a minute, but just watching that game, even here from my couch in California, like if you put a roof over any building, it's going to be loud, right? But just watching that game, I don't know that I've ever seen a joint louder than Ford Field was during that game. As a player, can you describe what the energy was like inside that building and how much you and your teammates fed off the crowd? Yeah, no, the energy was awesome. Um, you always feel, uh, you always feed off that. Um, it gives you energy, uh, momentum. Like on defense, you you can't even hear. Like you just have to rely on hand signals because you can't hear each other. Even if you're right next to the person, like getting the calls in the huddle, you can barely hear. Um, so it's definitely. I think we use it to our advantage, and it's definitely, you know, gives us momentum. I would imagine if you guys can't hear and you guys need hand signals, you can only imagine what it must be like for the opposition. I thought that it was an incredible moment in the locker room after the game when Dan Campbell gave Jared Goff the game ball. Like, Goff would never say it, but you know how much beating the Rams had to mean to him personally. How much does this team rally around Jared? And then how badly did you want to help him get that dub against his former team? Yeah, like you said, he he would never say it, but you know how much it meant to him. Um you know, he, he's our leader, so we always just want to, um, you know, rally behind him. Um, it, was just, it was just a great experience seeing that, and then especially Coach giving him the game ball because no matter how he'll try to downplay it, like, that, that definitely meant a lot. Um, so we were just happy that we got the win and he got the game ball as well. There you go. So, Fatu, you came into the league in 2021. You mentioned the first couple of years. You've been a part of Dan Campbell's entire tenure in Detroit. And as great as this season's been, let's not forget, the Lions did start 0-10-1 in Campbell's first season. I'm curious, what was the head coach saying during those early challenging days? And how did he keep that team together before you all turned it around? It was definitely a struggle, but I feel like if you – if you go back and watch those games and see the scores and how we lost, like we were in a lot of those games and a lot of those games, like we lost in the the final minute. So we kind of knew that it was like, you know, right around the corner. So I feel like we all, we always like had hope. Um, And we always just listened to the coach and he, he knew the vision. 
that uh, he had for the team, and we all believed him. That's the key, right? I mean, as long as you have somebody up there who's front and center, who's got that vision, and you buy in, it can be a powerful thing. Like the Lions, y'all are a resilient team now. I mean, just like the town itself, you're resilient, and you yourself, you fit right in. After playing corner at the Q's, you moved to safety, and then you dealt with some injuries that really limited your playing time before coming on really strong late this season. I'm curious, you know, confidence, no matter who you are, is a fragile thing. Did yours ever waver during that time when you were hurt? Or did you know, if I could just get healthy and get an opportunity, I know I can make this impact? I mean, I feel like it, naturally it just it wavers slightly. But I feel like for the most part, I, I knew and I had faith. And faith in God and, and my, my friends and family had faith in me that it was just like, if I could just stay healthy, um, the sky's the limit. So I always had that faith, like I'm I'm right there. I just need need to stay healthy, and I need my opportunity to show what I could do. Well, and then you proved it. Let me go back to Week 17. You had an enormous game against the Vikings. You had five tackles. You had a pair of sacks. You had a game-sealing pick. I mean, just an enormous game that earned you the NFC Defensive Player of the Week honors. Was that as locked in as you've ever felt during a game as a pro? Um. Yeah, I would say that that game and even the week before, I feel like the week before the Broncos game, I was I was, lo- I was so locked in in that game, and I think it just it really just like carried over. Like I was just playing with like elite confidence. Like like I just knew I was gonna make plays, and I was just like it was just a matter of when. So those two games, and then even just moving forward, I was just playing still still am playing with just an elite amount of confidence. See, I think we all want that, right? I'm curious, like, where does the elite confidence come from? Is that a matter of preparation breeds confidence? Is it a matter of you knew you could trust your body, you felt good physically? Like, where was that confidence coming from? Uh, I feel like it's kind of a mix of things, just like um, just confidence in, in my ability and what I could do when I'm healthy, and then also confidence just comes from time on task and just, like, execution. So, like, you know, when you make that first play, it just gives you more confidence to make the next one. And then especially when you have, you know, your your teammates and your coaches uh, behind you believing in you along with your family and everything. So I think it kind of all just adds together. Time on task is a great phrase. I like that a lot. All right, so Sunday's game is going to be your second meeting with the Bucks. You beat them in Tampa 20-6 to in Week 6. You limited them to a pair of field goals. You held Baker Mayfield to 206 passing yards. I mean, what did you take away from that win, and then what are you expecting from Tampa Bay in the rematch? Oh uh, yeah, that was that was just a good overall um, team win. Um, we played great defensively. Obviously, um, it, it's the playoffs now, so it's going to be a, a tougher challenge. Um, so we got to just go back and see see the things we did well, see the things we did well in the last game, and obviously they're going to make some changes. Um, so it, it's going to be a good game. So what do you think about Baker Mayfield? We're talking about a guy who's been, you know, left for dead so many times. And that's, I don't think he'd have it any other way, man. He just keeps rising up. He keeps grinding. He keeps battling. You've gone up against him. You've watched him on film. What are your thoughts about him as a quarterback? And what do you have to do to slow him down? Yeah, he's a, he's a very good quarterback. And he's um, he's resilient, like you, like you were just saying. Um, I feel like without saying too much, I think we just got to play our game. And I think... Um, focus on our assignment, technique, and 
and execution, and I think the rest will um, take care of itself. You know, it's not like you and I have talked a lot, but it seems to me like you're in character, you're locked in. What about this week? Leave me with this thought. What about, we're midweek right now. What's the week of practice? You haven't had a full week yet, but what's practice been like and what's the vibe like with the team as you get ready for this great opportunity? I feel like it's it's a lot more um, locking in mentally, you know, as well as physically, but you definitely got to be on your P's and Q's mentally um, as you prepare for another playoff game. It's a big one. It's about as big as they get. You won your first playoff game in more than three decades. You have another opportunity, and then you're one step closer if you get through that one. Ifatu, great to have you on the show. Thank you very much. I appreciate you making time, especially on a week like this. Great to have you on. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. So, quick question. Why is Old Trapper Beef Jerky so amazing? Let's start with the fact that it is a family-run business. A family business which stands by quality and produces the world's best beef jerky. Now, I've made this point many, many times, and I want to make it again right now. Beef jerky is not just beef jerky. I think some of you go to the store, and you reach for the beef jerky, and you think it's all the same. In fact, you might not even know what you're buying. That's a big mistake. Stop making that mistake. All beef jerky is not the same. In fact, there's nothing like Old Trapper. It is simply the best. Four mouth-watering flavors, so you can get your choice of whatever you want. Myself, I like them all the same. I bounce back and forth between each and every one of them. So you can do the same thing. They come in four-ounce bags. If you need to learn, do it that way. If you already know what you want, go with the 18-ouncer. That way there's enough for everybody. The entire unit, the entire family, the entire team. If you do not see it, ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper, what is your beef? I feel like I'm beating my head against a wall, right? It's not like I'm changing your mind. It's not like you're changing my mind. But let's get into it again. I don't have to ask how you're doing this morning because I know you saw the report. And if you saw that report, I'm guessing the majority of you are not happy right now. Because you've been hammering me and hammering away at this show with your thoughts on Mike Tomlin. And now, when Mike Tomlin walked off the podium, when a reporter tried to ask him about his job status, you thought, maybe, I know you're Steelers fans, you thought, good, good, he's gone, he's mad. (laughs) We're finally free of the problem that is Mike Tomlin. Like, because he's such a problem. All he does is win more games than he loses. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know, Steelers fan. You haven't won a playoff game since 2016. Yeah, I know, I know. You've hit me over the head with that every single hour for the last, I don't know, six weeks or more. I know a bleep ton of you are Darko mad right now. It's a complete crap. Upon hearing that Mike Tomlin reportedly told his players and coaches that he would return next year for the final year of his contract, you all reacted like Darko and thought... It's a complete crap. Yeah, how's that grab you? How does it also grab you that they may talk extension with him in the offseason? What do you think about that? You probably also think that that is a complete crap. It's a complete crap. Hey, look, I know you, Steeler fan. I do. And I know you're not happy about that, just as I know you're not happy with what I'm about to say. And I get it, all right? You love your team. I understand the passion. You want to win. But do you really think you want to win more than Tomlin wants to win? All right? I get you. 
I get why you want it so badly. But what I don't get is this notion that he shouldn't be coaching your team. I get 18 years in one place is a long time. I get that messages can get stale. I understand that. And I get that some of his coaching hires haven't made a hell of a lot of sense, starting with Matthew Nova Scotia. I get that. But let me tell you what else I get. Coaching is about maximizing the potential in a locker room. And Tomlin does that. He does it every single season. He's not picking the players. He's coaching the players that are given to him. You want to talk about an impossible standard. This dude hasn't had a losing season in 17 years, and he just went 10-7. and 10-7, and seven, and not in the AFC South, mind you, but in the AFC bleeping North, the toughest division in all football. And of the remaining teams in the playoffs, Steeler fan, tell me what the common denominator is. This is not a hard question. Look at who's left and tell me what they all have in common. Really good quarterback play. Really good quarterback play. Sustained elite quarterback play. Look at the eight teams. Look at who they all have under center. Dudes who have consistently made big plays in big games to get their respective teams to the divisional round. Some of whom have been doing it for years. Some of whom have already done enough to get in the Hall of Fame. Some of whom who are just getting started. But they're all doing it right now at a really high level. You know, the very thing that you haven't had in years. Yes, Mason Rudolph played well for three weeks. Three weeks to help you get into the postseason. But Buffalo reminded us Monday that Mason's a good backup and a good dude and a good soldier, but he's not a playoff-winning quality quarterback, right? And yet y'all continue to kill Tomlin. You're killing this guy for decisions that the front office makes. He's not the one that drafted Tiny Hands. Tiny Hands. And by the way, Ben, Tiny Hands. as great a quarterback as Ben was, Ben was not the easiest player to coach, I would imagine. Yeah, Tomlin never complained about that. Tomlin never ran him under the bus. Tomlin never pointed the finger at him. Although Ben did point the finger at Tomlin. Tomlin was not the one who signed Mitch Trubisky. Fire up your next alarm, Alvin. Mitch Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky. Tomlin is not the one who keeps drafting questionable character dudes. Mitch Trubisky. Yet he's the one who gets blamed when these guys act exactly the way they've always acted. And no, just because some of his guys have popped off this season does not mean he lost the locker room. All right? A lot of you want to compare this situation and are even actually trying to say to me, hey, Rome, how is this different than Dallas's situation? How is it different than Dallas's situation? How is it similar to Dallas's situation? It's got nothing in common with Dallas's situation. Dallas was a Super Bowl-ready team. Dallas was supposed to win it all this year. Dallas has their quarterback. Dallas has a quarterback who was supposed to be an MVP candidate this year. What do you what do you mean? How is this different than Dallas's situation? How is it similar? It's nothing like that. 
Look at the two rosters. Dallas is built to win right now. Is anybody going to look at Pittsburgh's roster and say, oh, that's a Super Bowl caliber team? If they had a coach, they'd be in the Super Bowl. No, if they had a quarterback, we could begin to have that conversation. I mean, this is not a paper, rock, paper, scissors, or rock, paper, Sirianni implosion that you're seeing further east. How do I know? How do I know? Listen to the guys that matter in that locker room. Listen to TJ Watt. Listen to Cam Hayward. Listen to what they have to say about Tomlin. All right, this isn't like Doc or Dak, I should say, going out of his way to protect Big Mike. I'm talking about TJ Watt. I'm talking about Cam, right? They don't want to play for anybody other than Tomlin. I understand, Steeler fan. I understand. I'm not saying you should settle or accept not winning playoff games. I understand the standard. I know the standard is high, but so does Tomlin. It's just that I don't see any coach, any coach, either available or not available, that could have gotten any more out of that team this year than Tomlin did. I certainly don't see one on the open market that could, honestly. If you want to be mad at the guy, be mad at him for walking out on that question after the Bills loss. Like, I understand that. That I didn't really get. That was weak. Anyone? Mike, you have a year left on your contract. You can call that guy out for that. You can be mad about that. That was weak, I think. Or if you want to hold a grudge against Tomlin, hold a grudge for him lying to the entire world. Yes, Mike, I just called you a liar. I I did do that. I'm not going to apologize for that because you did lie. You capped. You lied when you promised straight fire the day that you joined Twitter back in the day. You didn't deliver on that at all. That right there is a complete crap. It's a complete crap. But, but, the guy's still doing his job as coach of the Steelers. And ownership was not going to fire this guy. So apparently you are, quote, stuck with non-straight fire Mike for at least one more season. How is that possible? Well, I'm sure they would have let him go if he wanted to. They're not firing this dude. Hey, this just in. Steeler fan, you know this. Your franchise is an anomaly in this regard. They don't fire coaches. They don't overreact. They don't make knee-jerk decisions. I actually like that about the Steelers. They're different in that regard. They don't fire coaches. They don't. And they weren't going to fire this guy. And I don't think they should fire this guy. In fact, I'm kind of surprised he wants to come back hearing what he hears from you every single day. Maybe it's pride, or maybe, maybe he loves the gig. Maybe he loves the organization. Maybe despite everything you say about him, he loves the town. Maybe he loves his players. But I'm here to tell you, the guy could have walked. The guy could have walked and it would have taken him five seconds to get another job. He wants to be there. I'm not saying he's perfect. I'm saying, here's what I'm saying. No coach, available or unavailable, dead or alive, wins anything that matters without a quarterback that matters. And he doesn't have one. Hey, Rome, what about Belichick? What about him? The GOAT. Bill the GOAT. Six rings, nine Super Bowls with Tom Brady, the greatest coach ever. Brady leaves. What happened to Belichick? 
I don't care who you are. You don't win without a quarterback. This guy doesn't have one. But he maximized what they gave him. I guess what I'm trying to say is, what I think? You're lucky he even performs for you bastards. Performed for you bastards. Leave Mikey alone. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Need a little help? O'Reilly Auto Parts can help. Need advice? We've got advice. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Exceptional customer service. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Let's talk about Detroit and Tampa Bay for a minute. They both earned it. They both belong there. However, just step back for a minute and think about this. The Detroit Lions and the Tampa Bay Bucks are both a game away from an NFC Championship appearance. I mean, it's pretty incredible when you think about it. Now, again, two good teams that have earned it. But the Lions and the Bucks are playing for the right to play in the NFC Championship game. It's amazing, all right? Like, that that's... That's a legitimate thing. That's not a trip to Vegas that when you go to Vegas and you have a chance to play for the Ears Invitational. This is a legitimate thing, a legitimate chance to win something that matters, a legitimate chance to get to a game within the Super Bowl. And all they have to do is beat each other, right? I mean, you can hear it. You can hear Lions fans saying, we've got this. We've already won. All we have to do is beat the Bucs. Well, the fact of the matter is, the Bucks are probably, the Bucks fans, are saying the same thing. All we have to do is beat the Lions. Both sets of fans are saying that. All we have to do. Bob said it. God smiled on us. Look what God gave us. The Tampa Bay Bucks and another home game. All right, so all the Bucks need to do to get back to the championship game Sunday is beat the Lions. But here's what the Bucks don't need to do. They don't need to contend with the weather. They don't need to beat the elements. Because thankfully, as we all know, the Lions, and this is really big this time of year, right? We saw what happened in Kansas City. We saw what happened in Buffalo. They're expecting more horrible weather in Buffalo. Thankfully, the Bucks don't need to deal with the elements in Detroit because as we all know, they play indoors. Or I thought we all knew that. Because judging from Todd Bowles' presser yesterday, and this is unbelievable, but this is an actual question that he actually had to field. Coach, you, you. Uh, looking forward towards um, Detroit, um, the weather has been a factor in some of the playoff games, even for the most prepared teams. Uh, today, it's uh, 13 in uh, Detroit, which doesn't compare to some of the temperatures we tend to talk to. Any special plans to acclimate the team to not only uh, endure, but perform in those kind of frigid temperatures should you face them in Detroit? You do know we play indoors, right? And they got a dome. I don't um, No, nothing planned. We're, we're indoors, and we only have to be outside for 20 seconds getting off the bus, going under the thing, so we'll be okay. Uh-oh! Hey, you know, Coach, you are a warm-weather team. We saw what happened to Miami when they had to go to Kansas City, 
You are in Tampa. What's going to happen? How awkward was that? Awkward. The sheer awkwardness awkward. of the entire room knowing that that question was a disaster, a slow-moving train wreck as she developed that thought and went about asking that question. The question dragging on for an eternity. One of the first things they teach you at journalism school, and I'm not saying that I always do this, but I know, I know it to be true, ask short questions. Ask short questions. That was not a short question, and you knew where that was going to end up. Nowhere good. And thankfully for her, Todd Bowles gave the classiest deadpan response ever. He could have gotten really weird about it. Could have gotten a little annoyed or pissy about it. Could have stormed off like Mike Tomlin. Like, do I really need to hear this? Did you really just ask me what we're going to do if we encounter the elements? He had the best response. You know, it's going to be 13 degrees in Detroit, Coach. What, as a warm weather team, what are you going to do? He had the best response. He just, without being insulting or condescending or patronizing, he said, you do know we play indoors, right? You do know we play indoors, right? They got a dome. Classic. The only thing missing was the reporter following up with, yeah, yeah, but... It's still 13 degrees outside. Anyway, classic. if she did that, if she hit him with a but it's a cold weather game anyway, then I'd be putting her right up there with the icon, with the goat, with the best to ever do it, with my favorite reporter ever, whoever she is, the Rafa tennis reporter. Here is your goat. Hi, um... And Nadal, congratulations on your win. And I would like to know how do you feel after the game and if you're ready to give it another try. I lost, by the way. Yeah, I know, but it's, and, uh, uh, it's, a, it's a win anyway. Um, that exchange right there is the GOAT. The Todd Bowles exchange would never even come close to that, but nothing would. Nothing ever will. Every single part of that is perfect, starting with the high to the Hi. absolute class of Rafa letting her know that, by the way, I actually lost. I lost, by the way. To the unmitigated gall of that reporter to immediately fire back with, but it's a win anyway. All the way through Rafa's legendary, eh, mm. Mm. it's also perfect. It's just straight gold. It's liquid gold. It's glorious. Mm. Now, the Bulls exchange is incredible. It just doesn't quite measure up. What she needed to do was hit Bulls with a, but it's a cold weather game anyway. And then he needed to hit back with, mm. I lost, by the way. Yeah, I know, but it's a, it's a, it's a win anyway. You do know we're in a dome, right? Yeah, but it's 13 degrees anyway. Maybe then we have a conversation as to whether or not this somehow stacks up to the GOAT. But honestly, to me, it should be a lesson. I know I'm all about accountability and responsibility, except in that situation. If you ever find yourself in that situation, well, first of all, never find yourself in that situation.
Mm. Prepare. Prepare a little bit. Be better than that. But if you aren't prepared or your editor sends you out to do something that you're not qualified to do or you haven't prepared or both, what you don't want to do is stretch the question out and babble on for about 30 seconds because that's not going to make you look any more competent. It's quite the opposite. You're not getting around to it. Ask the question. Ask the question. The other real lesson here is if you colossally blow it like that in a public press conference, there's only one move. It's the Rafa reporter move. You got to double down. You got to dig in. You have to tell that person up on the podium that they're wrong no matter who they are and no matter how right they are and no matter that the entire world knows you're the one that's wrong. Stand in, dig in, and fight and lie and make more things up. Yeah, I know, but it's, uh, it's how it's like done anyway. Mm. That's how it's done. That's how it's done. Mm. Congratulations on – I mean – couldn't have been more wrong. It's one thing to say, how are you going to deal with the elements and not know that they play in a dome? But it's entirely another thing altogether to get the outcome of a match or a game wrong. Congratulations on your win. Uh, I lost, by the way. I lost, by the way. It's still a win. Yeah, no, you no, didn't. But it's a, it's, a, it's a win anyway. It's a win anyway might be the single greatest comeback in the history of the world. I don't mean an exchange between an athlete and a reporter. I mean an exchange between any human being and another human being. Congratulations on the win. I lost, by the way. Oh, it's a win anyway. There's your standard. So here's my advice to any aspiring journo. If you're ever in that position and you're really wrong and the entire world knows you're wrong, and even deep down, you know you're wrong, and you should know better, just stand in, man. Stick to the script. Stick to the line of questioning. Push back. Try. And then maybe you can be the GOAT. Yeah, I know, but it's a, it's a, it's a win anyway. Mm. What are you doing to prepare for 13-degree weather? You do know, hey, we, you play do know we play in a dome, right? We're not doing anything for a stop today, Kansas City. Preston in KC. Good to have you, Preston. What's going on? Rome. Wow. I got on the phone with Rome. Nice to hear from you, buddy. Good to hear from you, dude. What's up? Oh, man. I tell you what. I have been uh, really upset about the Bills Mafia. And I'll tell you why. I always thought Mafia was for tough guys. Like, that's what Mafia is. They're tough guys. And then I realized there was that episode of The Sopranos where Tony Soprano cries over the ducks leaving his pond, and then I realized, oh, that's a perfect moniker for Bill's Mafia. They're a bunch of crybabies. This year, when Patrick Mahomes comes to Bill's Mafia Stadium and steals another one from him, I don't want to hear the crying about a holding call on second and inches that changed the game. The bottom line is Josh Allen can't ever get the hump. Get over the hump. Thanks, Jim. I'm out. Preston. All right. I like it. Tina, it's great to have you back. Why don't you go ahead and finish what you started or do whatever you want, except tell us how old you are. Okay. That was actually the second game I had been to. The first one was the Chargers game out in L.A. at SoFi. And I thought that was electric. 
since our entire section except for five people were Lions fans. But then this game happened, and it was just unbelievable. You couldn't hear yourself think, and all you wanted to do was stand up and yell some more. It was, I can't wait for this week. I can't go this week, but, hey, um, I think it's going to be even more. We are passionate. We have been patient. But I think our patience is at the end. And I think that we are going to encourage our team to do it. Tina, I have a question for you. What if, for instance, you don't win that game? Are you ecstatic that you got over the hump, that you're in a certain place right now, and that it's it's a good thing? Or if you don't win this game, to your point, are we out of patience and it's not going to be a good thing? Like, what's the reaction going to be if they come in and they beat you? We're Lions fans. <laughs> we have had disappointment. We have, I don't know, I think we've been through hell in the last 50-some-odd years. I I can't see us losing. I got you. Listen, Dean, let me jump in. First of all, thank you for calling back. She's like, he just hung up on me again. Yeah, but at least we didn't drop the hammer. She's like, we're Lions fans. I think we've been through hell. Good night now!